It's time for the Manufacturing Austin Podcast, sponsored by Texas Mutual. Welcome. My name is Ed Latson, and this is the Manufacturing Austin Podcast, sponsored by Texas Mutual. Today, our guest is Russell Aldridge, founder and CEO of Sisu Robotics. They've been getting a lot of recognition for their easy-to-use and easy-to-program robots. I've been looking forward to this conversation, and uh, Russell, it's great to have you. Let's, let's go to the beginning. Why start a robotics company? Yeah, good question. So it kind of goes back. I moved to Austin uh, in, in 2007 to work for National Instruments, a great tech company here in town. And they had a, a lot of their customers really wanted to automate uh, with their products. And they said, who's the company that can help us to put together, you know, robotics and these kind of things. And with some of the newer products they were coming out with, you know, th- there just weren't a lot of options back then for, for automation. And so with, uh, with the other co-founder, Mark Christensen, we decided you know, let's start a let's start an automation company and let's do let's do kind of the hard automation. Let's do the ones where uh, machines need to feel their way through a problem with lots of different sensors. So that was kind of the the niche that we originally left to fill. Well, talk us through those early days because I know it's not easy getting a company off the ground. So what did that look like for you? Yeah. So, you know, I, I remember my talking to my wife and saying, How do you how do you feel about this? You know, we had a mortgage and a couple of kids, and uh, you know, how do you feel? And and she said, well, what's the worst that could happen? And I said, well, we could lose everything and have to move back to Utah. And she said, well, we, we don't have anything and I'd love to move back to Utah. So go right ahead. And so we, we did that. We started the company, uh, worked out of the garage. My garage was the manufacturing division. You know, Mark's garage was where we do all of our design. Um, you know, it was hot. It's hot in Austin. The mosquitoes would fly in at four o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, just just building it out of the garage was it was challenging, but it also allowed us to get a lot of the lower level stuff figured out as we grew the business. And uh, we eventually had some some early success with some companies like Intel, uh, building machines for them, uh, some machines for National Instruments, kind of got our name out there, hired some great people and uh, and really kind of evolved the business from there. So how do you feel like your work at National Instruments informed, uh, you know, your early days at uh, CSU? Yeah, you know, it was critical. I went to a professor when I was at school at, at Brigham Young University in Utah and said, you know what, I want to start a business. Um, I'm thinking about doing that right out of college. And uh, he was very wise and talked me out of that. He, he said, you know, that's great. You should do that. But uh, you should go work somewhere for a while. Pick a great company, go work there, learn some things uh, and then and then start. And so, you know, National Instruments, great company, great culture, um, highly technical, uh, a lot of a lot of great connections, and so we were able to you know leverage a lot of those things and a lot of the knowledge that we learned in both doing some machines you know for National Instruments that became a customer, um, but uh, leverage kind of their network as well. They have a great network of integration partners and other customers that we could really kind of start from. So we we weren't starting from from scratch, right? We could we could leverage some of that to get going. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, I've, I've had the luxury of walking through your facility. And, and one of the things I noticed was, um, you know, this kind of real positive attitude. People were really engaged. Uh, it seemed like you've developed a great culture. You know, how much of that came from National Instruments? Is that direct connection? Uh, definitely the flags hanging from the roof came from <laughs> National Instruments. Um you know, we, we've been very, very lucky, very blessed to find really good people. Uh, and they've, they've come from all over. We have a lot of great people from Austin and from Texas, but actually the majority of the people that work here aren't even from Texas. They're, they're from uh, all over the place. And I think it's just this idea that 
you, you know, we don't we don't care where the best ideas come from. They're, they're not going to come from me and Mark. Typically, um, they're, they're going to come from all over. We've had, you know, great ideas from everywhere. One of our best ideas, which is really kind of this fundamental concept of moving the robot around in an intuitive way, uh, was kind of first developed by one of our interns. And we saw that and thought, man, that that's a great way to do that. Let's let's leverage that in some some new and different ways. And so this idea that anybody can come up with something, we'll listen, we'll hear them out. Well, you know, the best way to have a good idea is to have lots of bad ideas. And so we encourage just just a lot of a lot of ideas and we'll sort through them. Well, talk about your technology for a little bit, because, um, you know, you're you're making robots that are easy to use and easy to program. Um, You know, what makes you different than some of the other companies out there? Yeah, so I think that especially the small and medium-sized businesses, they, they have a big challenge right now. Uh, you know, trying to find people is very, very difficult. And so they they know they need to turn to automation. Um, it's just kind of a given, but they don't know where to start. They don't know who to trust. They don't know what equipment to use. Uh, robotics can be very intimidating. It's also very expensive. And so our goal was to, can we create a robotic system that somebody can learn how to use in in one day and be making product on their first day that was our goal and so when we got our first robot in you know these these robot arms like the you know the orange or red ones you see that are building cars right on the news we got our first robot in and thought man this is amazing but it's it's really difficult to kind of get up and running uh you know what would be the best experience we thought you know let's make this as easy as playing a video game let's put let's put a game controller in one hand and an ipad in the other hand uh, these are tools people know how to use, and we'll write just a custom app for whatever they're doing, whether it's making movies or grinding or welding or whatever it is. Let's just customize it. And, and so then, the, then they're not writing code, right? They're just doing something that just feels very, very intuitive. It's intuitive to move the, the robot around. So, you know, you asked about the technology. Um, we made this, this game controller. It fits in your hand as you move your hand the robot follows the movements of your hand. It's just very intuitive. So people can do things like welding with the robot the way they would actually do it in real life. So this lets us put the put the controller in the hands of a welder and they can successfully program a robot. Hey, you mentioned movies and there's probably a lot of listeners thinking like, you know, where are you automating in movies? Because it's not necessarily an industrial application. Talk about um, that part of your business. Yeah, so that was really interesting. Uh, we, we created this technology and the idea was it would be used in industry. Well, we invited a cinematographer to come over and make a kind of a video or a commercial for us. And he said, guys, have you ever have you ever thought about putting a camera on the end of one of these robot arms? And, and we said, no, that's that's not a thing. No one does that. And he said, no, it very much is a thing. They've been doing it for 30 years, but but everyone hates them. They're they're slow. They take all day to set up. They're complicated. You need a guy who's an expert. Uh, you're lucky if you get five to 10 shots a day out of it. Uh, it's just, it's just really difficult, but there's just some shots that you can't get any other way besides using a robot. And so what I've seen with this technology is it's, it's amazing. You can do things so quickly. And so we humored him. We put, we put a post out on Instagram and I think we sold four of them. Uh, and, th- and these are not cheap, right? They're over a hundred thousand dollars a piece and we sold them to small companies. And so then the lights started going off. We thought maybe we've got something here. And, and we called up one of our first customers and said, you know, and this was kind of the other light bulb moment. He said, are you able to get those cool robot shots that you can't get any other way? And, and he said, yes, we are. But what's more interesting is that all the stuff that we used to do, we can now do much faster. He said, the jobs that used to take three or four days, we get done in an afternoon 
because we just leave the camera on the robot and it's our tripod, it's our slider, it's our skater, it's our jib, it's, it's all these things. And we're not continually moving the camera around. So that's when we go, okay, now the market has gone from maybe some, some Hollywood studios, bigger Hollywood studios to now we're looking at video production all around the world. And, and that's in tens of thousands, right? Of companies that we could help out. Hey, you know, that's really interesting. And, and one of the things I've, I've learned uh, from this job and talking to leaders like you is, is oftentimes people start a business, you know, they, they have a focus and they really find opportunities somewhere else. And that morphs into dominating really who they become. Um, how much of the movie side of, of your robotic applications is, is now your business compared to the other industrial side? Yeah, it's, it's a big part. Um, really, we kind of we went from being a, a services company doing all these custom automation applications to really being a product company. And so we, we, we really only kept one of the projects that we had before them, which is also a product development uh, you know, opportunity for us. And so that one is uh, making a robot that sharpens knives, which, which we can talk more about later. But um, so we're doing, we're doing the knives and we're doing the, the cinema robotics. And that's really kind of the, those are the two main focuses right now. Well, how much of the challenge there is, is really getting maybe traditional cinematographers or, or people in that industry to recognize how easy they can use maybe your applications? I would think that there might be some barriers there. Yeah, for sure. So on, on the knife side, for example, you know, you show up with to one of these uh, one of these food production houses and you say, I have a robot that sharpens knives. OK, great. If it works, I'll buy it. You know, they, they know they need it. Right. Uh, but you're right with the cinema, with the cinematographers, they've been doing these things a certain way. You show up with a robot and their initial response is that's big Hollywood stuff. That's not that's not me. That doesn't help me uh, grow my business. But then we tell the story of these customers that we've had that have bought the robot and how they're able to turn uh, still photography customers into video customers. They're able to get things much more quickly uh, put out and be able to do more work than they could do before. They're able to produce Hollywood type effects for a video production type budget. And but, but the burden of education is, is on us to show them that those things are possible. So it is something of an uphill battle. Uh, the, the plus side of that is that they're all connected. They all talk to each other. And as we get customers that are successful, they, they talk and, and we're gaining momentum. Well, I have to say, I, I cheated and looked at your hype video before uh, this interview that, that kind of showcases what your cinematic robots can do. And it's, it's really interesting. And um, the photography is amazing. So I, I suspect that it is the future. And it's, I mean, do you see your marketing challenges really just, um, you know, convincing people used to do it an old way that there's a better way? Or what, what do you see as the big challenge there to grow your grow that part of the business? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of challenges. Yeah, one of them is to find a you know this new paradigm, this new way of of thinking about uh, video production and kind of uh, educating them as to what some of the tools are that are available, uh, helping them maybe to think bigger. That you know maybe I've been doing kind of these traditional effects. Now I can do bigger Hollywood effects. You know, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, getting the word out uh, is is a bit of a challenge. And finding, I think, the right the right markets for this really, you know, what where is this robot going to help the most people? And so we have, you know, some some of the big companies, big shoe companies, for example, are using our robots, um, and they find that 
you know, they, they used to take, you know, they've got all these SKUs going out the door all the time, right? They make so many different products every single year. And it takes them hours to get all of the product pictures together to put up online. And companies are making more and more pictures and video. That's the content that, that sells, right? Mm. And so with our robot, they find that, you know, they used to take hours moving around this shoe or this piece of merchandise and getting the, the pictures. Now they'll put the shoe on one robot and the camera on another robot. And they zoom around at high speed and they get all the pictures and all the video in a matter of seconds. And so helping, you know, customers understand that I can, I can get all my marketing done for shoes or for cars or for whatever it is, you know, where it used to take a long time, I can get it done much more quickly. I, th I think that's, that's kind of a challenge as well. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. You know, that um, the evolution of social media and um, advertising is also you know, driving evolution and, and um, innovation in the robotics. I mean, that's, it's kind of an interesting intersection that you guys are playing in. It, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's very different, right? Uh, our customers used to be all these industrial customers and uh, now it's kind of this Hollywood crew and they're, they're very <laughs> different people, but uh, they're, it's, it's a lot of fun at the same time. And it's interesting the overlap that we're seeing. Yeah, well, talk about that. I mean, are you, are you a movie buff? Uh, what, how do you feel about, um, you know, speaking that language? <laughs> uh, it's not where I've been most comfortable, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, it's, you know, it, there's so much going on with my with my family and, and work and, you know, church responsibilities and those kind of things that I actually don't watch much TV. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, and I'm kind of mean, I make my kids work, you know, all the time. And so they say, you know, so I say, I don't, you know, I don't like them to watch TV and I like them to work. So what do I do for a living? I make robots that make people not have to work and that create movies. So it's, it's a little bit different. It's interesting, but it's a fun world to, to be in at the same time. You know, it's for me, the thrill is seeing these small companies uh, grow and, and be successful or to see, you know, some, some big production where, um, you know, an example would be that we had a robot on an HBO Max shoot the other day. You know, they're used to getting five to 10 shots. You know, we talked to the director, said, how many shots did you get? He said, I got 86 shots in one day. He says, it was amazing. I've never, never seen that before with a, with a cinema robot. Um, so that's exciting for me. And then just seeing, you know, going to the movies and seeing a shot and saying, I know how that was made. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, maybe the bigger picture with robots and automation. Um, you know, I'd be curious your thoughts on the uh, kind of the state of the industry. And, I, you know, I'm not a technical person, um, you know, come to this outside of manufacturing. Uh, I, I see, you know, movies like Blade Runner, you know, that was set in what, 2035. And obviously we're not going to be any, anything like uh, what Blade Runner was. You know, what do you think the promises of automation are today compared to what we might have thought? And what do you think it's going to evolve towards, you know, in the next 10, 15 years? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, being being a an engineer, of course, uh, you know, I grew up watching Star Trek, and and I remember, you know, and I think it was Star Trek Six. They talk about how back in Holland they flung their wooden shoes called sabots into the machines to stop them, right? And that's where sabotage comes from. So there's there's always been this um, there's always been this fear, you know, ever since anybody made a machine at all that that life would change and it does um, there's been this fear that jobs would go away uh, what's interesting with robotics is if you look at if you look at the number of robots that are sold you know of course that's been ramping up significantly over time and is accelerating 
But if you look at the jobs that have been created, and, and there's there's dips, right? As you know, robots will go up and down in the numbers sold. But if you look at the jobs that are created, uh, jobs actually go up when robots go up. Um, and so it, it's because these companies can do more. So for example, if we sell a robot to a you know a cinema company, maybe their cameraman gets nervous and says, Well, well, maybe I don't have a position anymore. It's not the case at all. These companies are able to do much more than they used to do. They're able to get more content out. They're hiring more editors. They're hiring people to run the robots. The cameraman, maybe he used to point the camera on the tripod. Now he knows how to program a robot and he's running the robot. And, and so they're just hiring all around. And so that's what we see. So, so the jobs do change. And, um, you know, I'm not naive enough to think that, that there aren't jobs that can be that are automated away. It does happen. Uh, and so just in general, I think that the burden is on, on everybody to continuously educate themselves and it doesn't matter where they are just, you know, learning a new skill. Uh, I think that's just going to be something we're going to have to do as, as automation increases. But I, I also think we're up to the challenge and it's really been fun to watch people come into our company. And as we automate and do different things, giving them opportunities to learn and to grow and, um, so my, my pitch uh, for people like you who can make these incredible machines is to uh, create a um, robot that can fold laundry. That would make my life a lot easier. So, uh, but obviously, that's, uh, that's a little bit more of a challenge than a lot of people realize, isn't it? Yeah, well, my wife says that we actually had somebody approach us with that one time, and it was an intriguing problem. We did a quick prototype that, uh, that, that actually worked, but, but it's, it's a difficult problem. There's some other people working on it. We decided that wasn't one we wanted to tackle, but yeah, my, my wife asked me about that constantly. She also says, why, why do I have dull knives? You know, you have a knife sharpening company over there. Why are my knives dull? Yeah. Well, Hey, look, um, as you run your business, uh, you know, what are you paying attention to in your business and also in the market abroad? Like what are the things that you're really locked in on? Yeah. So I think it's stuff that most everybody's looking at right now uh, from a short-term perspective, which is supply chain. You know, it's difficult for us to get parts uh, just like everybody else right now. And we're having to, you know, we have shipments that are delayed. We have customers that are, that are patient, but it's, it's hard for them. Um, finding people is especially difficult and, and more so on the, on the assembly side, the manufacturing side, you know, as we grow, we're making more cinema robots, we're making uh, knife sharpening robots and uh, finding people that, uh, you know, to, to put those together, I think is very challenging. I think longer term, it's looking, things are changing so quickly uh, with technology that it's uh, the burdens on us to constantly be uh, reading and watching and educating ourselves to know you know, how do we need to shift and what do we, what should we be creating next and how are people engaging with robots? How are they using them? Um, and we're, we're just learning more about that over time. So I think just being responsive to the market is, is going to be a, an important challenge. Mm -hmm. Well, Hey, look, um, you know, you're in Pflugerville, you have this terrific facility and um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the folks at Pflugerville PCDC, uh, Amy Madison and her crew. Yeah. But um, Central Texas has grown like crazy. You know, there's incredible opportunity here. I think it's one of the best places to be uh, really in the world as far as um, growing and developing business. But, but, you know, it is putting some strain on business owners and some of the infrastructure. What, what's your take on just the growth in Central Texas uh, in the past couple of years? 
Yeah, I would agree. There's uh, there's there's opportunities. There's also some challenges. Uh, so we built this. Uh, we bought this facility. It was a it was a machine shop, and then we added onto it about four years ago to to triple the size of it. And we're about ready to grow out of it. We're looking for space right now. And it's just interesting, you know, we'll go visit a spot and, uh, you know, we'll like it the next week it's, it's bought up. Right. Uh, and so finding, finding the right kind of space is, is challenging, uh, finding, so, you know, we're, we're having to build those farther and farther out. And so as we go farther out, is it still in a location that our employees can conveniently get to work? I think is a little bit difficult. Uh, of course the costs are, are going up, uh, for everything, uh, especially, you know, land values around, around Austin, the Austin area, things have gone way up. And so uh, prices have to increase and helping explain that to, to customers, you know, who are already uh, paying a lot more for a lot of other things too, can be, can be difficult. So I think we're navigating all those things. Um, but, but overall, you're right. Uh, Central Texas is right in the middle of things. Uh, all these great companies that are moving here. Uh, there's, there's a lot of opportunity coming. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, uh, Russell, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, you know, just to end it, I, I'd really be curious, you know, what's what's next for you and what's next for CSU? Yeah, so the, the next one on our horizon is actually a grinding robot. Uh, something that we can, you know, they've they got these great folks that are uh, in the trenches, grinding steel, sanding things. It's it's dirty work. Uh, it's It can be monotonous, um, but there's also a skill to it uh, that these folks have that they developed, that they're very good at. And so being able to uh, create a robot where somebody who knows how to grind something can come in and just in a few minutes program it to do what they were what they were already working on and kind of multiply their efforts, that's, that's what we're doing. So we have a, a prototype uh, going at a local company here that's, um, you know, early indications are it's very successful. Um, they've got some, some guys who came up to speed on it again in just about a day. So we, we want to roll that out uh, here in uh, 2022, get that productized and and then looking for the next thing. We've got a, a few ideas on that. So that's that's what's next. Russell, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you. I appreciate all you do with Arma and everything else that you guys do. Thanks for having me on. This is the Manufacturing Austin Podcast. We'll see you next time.